Hello and welcome to the IT Governance Podcast for Friday the 21st of April 2023. Later on, in a new feature that I'm tentatively calling Alan's Analysis, tentatively because it's quite tricky to say, so I might quietly abandon the name if I stumble over it too many times while recording, our CEO, Alan Calder, will be discussing the new US National Cybersecurity Strategy and what all organisations can learn from it. But first, here's the news. The fallout from the so-called cybersecurity incident suffered by the outsourcing giant Capita a couple of weeks ago continues, and it's now apparent that it was rather more than just an incident, a ransomware attack in fact. The Sunday Times reports that Black Baster, the group that's claimed responsibility for the attack, is now sending a trove of data apparently exfiltrated from Capita on its website, a typical double extortion approach in which attackers steal data, encrypt the victim's systems and demand a ransom for a decryption key and then attempt to make more money by selling the exfiltrated data on the dark web. According to the information security researcher Kevin Beaumont, who's seen the listing, examples of leaked Capita data include BAC's payment details for Capita Nuclear, part of Capita Business Services, including bank account details for 152 organisations, floor plans of multiple buildings, the personal data of applicants to primary and secondary school teaching positions, including their dates of birth and home addresses, documents marked confidential, passport scans and security vetting information. Given that this is the data that Black Baster has chosen to make public, it's no stretch to infer that it holds a great deal more, likely including sensitive data that Capita's innumerable clients, which include representatives of pretty much the entirety of the UK's public sector, will very much not want to be made available to the highest bidder. Capita continues to investigate the incident and is yet to update its 3rd of April statement, still claiming on its website that there's no evidence of customer, supplier or colleague data having been compromised. A new variant of the Lockbit ransomware targeting Macs has been found in what's thought to be the first instance of a major ransomware operation turning its attention to Mac OS. Discovered by the researcher Malware Hunter team, the new encryptors appear not to be ready for use in attacks, but show the increasing cybersecurity risk that Mac users face. Patrick Wardle of Objective-C, a non-profit foundation that creates free open-source macOS security tools, told Bleeping Computer that when the macOS encryptor is launched, it crashes due to a buffer overflow bug in its code. However, the encryptor's very existence showed that macOS is now on Lockbit's radar, even if they are far from ready for deployment. Bleeping Computer contacted the Lockbit ransomware group for comment and was told that a Mac encryptor was indeed actively being developed, a timely reminder that Mac users ought to be as aware of cybersecurity best practices as any other computer user. Google has released a new version of its Chrome browser to patch a zero-day security flaw. Users should upgrade to version 112.0.5615.121 as soon as possible. The vulnerability, CVE 2023-2033, is a type confusion weakness in the Chrome V8 JavaScript engine. Google provides no further details of the bug, choosing to restrict the information until a majority of users are updated with a fix, but generally type confusion flaws can allow remote attackers to trigger browser crashes or execute code on compromised devices. If you use Chrome, whether on Windows, Mac or Linux, and it hasn't updated recently, click on the kebab menu, the three vertical dots to the right of the address bar, then help, about Google Chrome, then update Google Chrome if it's available. If it's not, you're on the latest version already. What you shouldn't do is download a zip file when prompted by a warning, because a campaign has been distributing malware this way since last November. 
According to Malwarebytes, unsuspecting visitors to compromised websites have been shown what appears to be a genuine web browser error from inside the browser window. The fake error message says an error occurred in Chrome Automatic Update. Please install the update package manually later or wait for the next automatic update. A zip file masquerading as a legitimate Chrome update is then automatically downloaded. If you open it, you'll execute crypto mining malware, which will use your CPU to mine for Monero for the attackers. On top of this, as Malwarebytes explains, the malware attack also shuts down Windows Update and adds itself as an exclusion to Windows Defender, as well as disrupting the communication of security products with their servers. So, if you do accidentally download a zip file purporting to be a Chrome update, don't open it, but follow your usual security processes. That was the news. Now, on the 2nd of March, the Biden-Harris administration released a new United States national cybersecurity strategy. IT Governance's CEO Alan Calder discusses the new strategy, why it's relevant to all organizations, even those not in the US, and what you should learn from it. At the beginning of March, the US government announced a new national cybersecurity strategy. That in itself is not particularly newsworthy because Western governments, well, governments all around the world seem to be announcing new cybersecurity strategies quite regularly these days. And that in itself is also not surprising because uh, cyber criminals are doing more and more, uh, more and more successfully uh, than they ever were. And uh, on top of cyber criminals, we have the growing challenge of cyber warfare driven not only by uh, Russia and its uh, use of uh, cyber war and its attacks on Ukraine, Georgia, Moldova uh, and so on, but also the behavior of uh, rogue regimes like Iran and North Korea uh, who use cyber attacks as a way of generating foreign currency, uh, of uh, disrupting the supply chains of uh, people they see as competitors uh, and so on. So a national cybersecurity strategy kind of makes sense. Um, and the the new U.S. cybersecurity strategy says that cybersecurity is now fundamental to the uh, economic growth, uh, the security of the United States, uh, and really news either. Uh, but what Biden and the government seem to realize, the executive seem to realize, is that the private sector is paying not that much attention to cybersecurity. So they kind of go gosh, I've had a breach, how can I hide it away? How can I not tell my customers? I've had a breach, how can I avoid telling a regulator because somebody might get upset? And then every now and then uh, a company, particularly a US company, is found out, either because the scale of the breach is so much that uh, it makes the headlines whatever, uh, or because uh, uh, somebody finds out and tells some other people and out of that comes a class action suit. Um, and then the management finds itself on the end of an expensive, uh, expensive action. There have been two changes coming through the US ahead of the new national cybersecurity strategy. One is the, uh, the new legislation, which is applied specifically to federal agencies, the uh, cyber incident response uh, regulations, the requirements on national uh, government, federal government organizations to respond and behave in a certain way when they're attacked and to take appropriate steps to defend themselves. Uh, the other is the shift which has been taking place and is still not yet in final form um, of the SEC moving towards a, 
applying requirements to uh, listed companies, and they would be listed therefore on all the three main U.S. exchanges, uh, to put in place processes which ensure that in the boardroom there is at least one person who understands the cyber threat and what action should be taken to deal with it, uh, that there are processes inside the organization to identify cyber threat, what appropriate controls might be, and to monitor and audit how effective those controls are, uh, and to report cyber incidents, particularly cyber incidents that involve paying a ransom. As I said, those uh, those are still proposals. They're moving towards getting into a final uh, rule form. Uh, but they are clearly an attempt to bring regulatory pressure to bear on the private sector. The U.S. National Cybersecurity Strategy is going a step further than that. It's saying, guys, you lot in the private sector, clearly um, you're just not doing enough. Uh, we need to take steps to ensure that the private sector takes action for the public good. Uh, and that means that we need a mix of incentives and regulatory pressure, for which I read punishment, uh, to ensure that you are taking steps that you should take. Uh, and just to be clear, the steps that you should be taking are, number one, you should be doing a regular vulnerability assessment. You should be working out what gaps and holes there are inside your business. Uh, number two, um, having worked those out, you should be patching them. You should be uh, closing them down. And that means that you should be doing tests, you should be doing regular vulnerability scanning, you should be training staff, you need to have the competence to do the things that you are supposed to be doing. Uh, and not only should you be doing that, but you should be doing it through your supply chain. So you should be going to your suppliers and you should be saying, uh, what actions have you taken to identify your vulnerabilities? How are you closing them down? What processes do you have in place to do penetration tests, vulnerability scanning? What's your uh, password policy, um, and so on. And of course, what makes the focus on the supply chain particularly interesting is that that is an action which the U.S. Department of Defense has been involved in now for a number of years. They came up with um, the original idea that if a supplier to the Department of Defense was uh, properly secure, then there was a reasonable prospect that the DOD would be secure. And the defense industrial base is something like 3,000 companies around the world. Uh, and the DOD has come up with the idea of a maturity model, a cyber maturity model, uh, which is designed to uh, help suppliers in the defense industrial base establish where they are in terms of cyber maturity with a demonstration of an appropriate level of maturity becoming a contractual requirement on organizations over a period of time. And the rules for the CMMC are still evolving. Um, it's a complicated process. There are not very many people who understand how to apply it, but nevertheless, that is happening. We as an organization are already involved. We are a CMMC um, uh, uh, Consultants, we're already involved in helping our own clients who are in the defense industrial base uh, get themselves up to speed and be able to demonstrate a certain level of cyber maturity. But what the federal government is apparently looking for is some kind of extension of the CMMC to a much broader range of suppliers and looking to extend it not directly as it can through the defense, through the Department of Defense, but indirectly through uh, tier one 
uh, um, customers with big supply chains, being able to encourage them to go into their supply chains and make sure that they are secure. All of this will take time to work its way through the system. There's not going to be anything tomorrow or the day after or even next month which says this is exactly what companies need to do if they are in the supply chain of a US tier one uh, organization. But the direction of travel is crystal clear. The direction is saying to the private sector, you haven't done a good job in terms of getting yourselves cyber secure over a number of years. That's why the newspapers are full day in, day out of stories of yet another breach. In the UK, um, you know, there's a company like Capita, which uh, is a week or 10 days after it was breached, still got headlines because it's unable to operate properly because it wasn't even in a position to handle the breach once it happened. Not only could it be breached, but it didn't have a properly robust, tested, uh, effective response process. So private sector's got a lot to do. And and as I said, direction of travel is really clear. And the sensible private sector organizations, we're saying hmm, writing is on the wall, just as it was with GDPR five years ago, when it was clear that delaying getting compliant would just hurt more than the pain of getting compliant. The same message applies to cybersecurity. The pain of getting cybersecure today is nothing like what the pain of getting cybersecure after you've been breached or when there is a set of regulations that require you with a deadline to get compliant. That will be much more painful, much more complex. And for sure, the number of organizations who can help you do that uh, will be not enough because suddenly the world will be going, oh, we've got a customer in the US, we need to get secure come help us. And just about everybody who provides services around cybersecurity and privacy will be saying, we're signed up for the next nine months or two years or whatever it is doing work. So the sensible thing is to get started on building cybersecurity today. Of course, building cybersecurity today is just a step. Uh, and be the two really important messages that anybody thinking about cybersecurity and privacy today needs to get their head around is that not only have you got to make the first step today, you've got to get started on building a cyber defense in depth uh, posture inside your organization. You have to embed it. You have to embed it in a way that moves on from saying, well, somebody came to work today and can do the job. So we should be secure. You've got to embrace the idea of maturity models. You've got to recognize that however complex it is, what um, the Department of Defense is doing with the CMMC is the right way to go. You've got to get to the point where you're not reliant on somebody turning up. That's a kind of naught level of uh, maturity. You've got to be at the point where you have software processes embedded in the organization, levels of skills and competence, uh, procedures, which ensure that whatever staff churn you have, whatever happens, you have a, a method of being secure and being compliant. And it needs to be one which continues to evolve. And to be frank, I see no way that any organization can do that without getting an external software platform, embedding it in the organization. So something like the cyber comply platform from Vigilant Software is a classic example of something which brings both cybersecurity and privacy uh, in a single package and brings it in a way that enables you to demonstrate compliance with uh, international standards like ISO 27001, uh, with the NIST uh, framework, with the uh, CIS framework. Uh, and that's a kind of logical place to be because 
you can then, from a management perspective, get on a daily, monthly, uh, quarterly basis, a dashboard which tells you what your state of security is like. And if you go back to what I was saying a short while back about what's happening with the SEC, it puts your board and senior managers in a place where they can go, yeah, we are secure. We're not just kind of relying on the CISO telling the CIO, telling the CEO that we're secure. Um, we don't really know what he's talking about um, because the CISO reports to the CIO. That's quite good. But because we can see the dashboard and we understand the dashboard and we understand what it's telling us. And we were involved in assessing the risks and determining the controls that lie behind the dashboard, which is telling us how well we're managing those controls. So that's the really important message. You've got to get started. If you're not on the route to embedding cyber defense in depth today, today is the right time to get started. One question everybody asks me is, how much should you spend on it? Um, and I think the answer is very simple. How much do you not want to spend on ransom? Remember, your cyber insurer is not about to pay the ransom. Cyber insurers have got really, really bored with paying ransoms. They've got really bored with insuring companies who don't have proper cyber defense in depth. So if you want to be able to have, as your non-executives will say, you should have cyber insurance, you need to have made the simple uh, equation which says, hey, five bitcoins, 10 bitcoins, that's what we'd have to pay if we had to pay a ransom. So let's just spend it now on getting ourselves cyber secure. Then we won't have to spend it on paying a ransom because if we're breached, we'll spend it on a ransom. Then we'll spend it again on fixing it. Then we'll spend it again on dealing with the regulatory fallout. So that's a bloody expensive delayed expenditure. Let's just focus on doing the thing right, right now. Thank you, Alan. That's it for this time. As ever, you can get in touch with us either by leaving a comment on the blog or via Twitter at ITGovPod, that's my account, or at ITGovernance. We'll return in a fortnight, but until then, our archive is on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And you can find everything you need to implement and maintain cybersecurity defence in depth on our website, itgovernance.co.uk. 